Open up the book of Philippians. Book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, verse 19, where we left off last week. If you're first time here, we go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. We give you the whole counsel of God. So we're just picking right back up where we left off last week. So uh, if you missed last week, you can always go back to the podcast, which is on our website, and you can uh, get caught back up. I'm going to read verses 19 through the end of chapter 2, verse 30. Uh, Just follow along. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you, know the, but you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. Yet I considered it necessary to send, you, send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need, since he, was yo- since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick, almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I sent him the more eagerly that when you see him again, you may rejoice and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem. Because, of, because for the work of Christ, he came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. So, Father, again, we come to you, and we, as we read and open up your word this morning, we know that we can only understand your word, first, if we're a child of yours, and that the, your spirit of Christ lives within us, and it's by the power of the Holy Spirit illuminates your word to understand and to receive, and also the power to obey. And so I ask you, Holy Spirit, to speak to our hearts First of all, to those, if they're not saved, if there's someone here today that does not know you on a personal level, has not committed their life to you, I pray today you will speak to their hearts, they will hear and receive and commit their life and put their trust in you and ask for the forgiveness of their sin. But for those who have committed their life to you, Lord, that each one of us would choose to grow in a deeper relationship with you and ask you to do a work in us, to encourage us, to convict us, to change us, to mold us, so that we too, as we will see in your word today, to be a man or a woman of character, of a servant character, one that has a mind, uh, a Christ-likeness, a mind set upon you. We thank you and we praise you for the work you're going to do in our lives. And in Jesus' name, and we all said, amen. In chapter 2, if you remember, Paul gives us examples of Christians who are living the Christian life, but one that is filled with joy. And we've learned so far in chapter 2 with the four examples that Paul gives us, the four examples being Jesus Christ himself is the perfect example, but Paul himself as an apostle Paul, that God has raised him up in a position of leadership within the church. But today we're going to see two more examples, two men, the man uh, Timothy, young Timothy, and Epaphroditus, Epaphroditus, there we go, Epaphroditus, there's the tongue, the Epaphroditus, who's our our fourth example or second example to us today. And Epaphroditus and Timothy are two men that we know some about, but not a lot about, more Timothy than we do Epaphroditus. 
Now, as we take a look at the scripture here and we see the dynamics here, we understand that joy as a Christian, living that joyful Christian life, we have to make sure when we're going to have that joy that we put Jesus first, J, other second, O, and Y meaning you last. Because the more you think about yourself, the more miserable we become. But the more we think about Christ, the more we think about others, joy will fill our hearts. And it's a very simple but not always easy because these flesh that we live in dominates us at times, many times. And we have to fight that flesh. We have to fight the world that tries to tell you how or way you should live. And it has a tremendous influence on our lives. But once you've made a commitment to follow Jesus, you just keep your eyes on him. You focus on what he says in and through his word. He is the word. And then all we have to do is trust what we read and be obedient to what, is, is what he shows us. And he delicately, lovingly, and, and gently changes our lives to be a, create that servant character within our lives. And that takes time. And it's all, we're at all at different growth rates. Some are just brand new babies. They haven't even sprouted yet. Then you see as God has watered and nurtured and, and de-weeded your life, <laughs> you start growing, and eventually you have now become very fruitful in your life. A, a servant character comes into your life, and people around you are able to pluck the goodness that comes, the light that comes from your life, and people are refreshed and nourished and loved and can see what this God is doing in your life. It's a beautiful thing if you let him do that work. But so tragically, so many young lives will hear the truth, will know and know, but will fight to stay away from the truth. They rather live by the flesh and live by the standards of the world. And it, they may come more and more miserable and hollow and empty, and they wonder why. But that's why we have the good news. That's why we have the gospel of Jesus Christ that we get to share with them to give them hope for their life, regardless of their age. Amen? So we see here, first example that Paul continues to come, you know, a third example of the chapter two, but the first one here today is the young man, Timothy. If you see here, he says, Paul says, but I trust in the Lord to send Timothy to you shortly that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. So Paul here, remember, he is in prison when he's writing this letter to the Philippian believers. He's in jail. He's not sitting on some beach having a great time. He's not sitting excluded on a mountaintop experience to be able to be close to God. i got to go to the mountaintop or to the shores. I need to get away, and I, the only way I can meet God is if I have these special little moments. No. Here, Paul, God is using Paul while in ministry, chained to Roman guards, and he's writing the letter that we see today in our, uh, in our, and right in front of us to be able to use that same letter that was sent to the believers in Philippi is being sent to you today to speak to your heart. And he's writing this and he says, I trust the Lord. And it's another way of saying this in the Greek is, Lord willing. Lord willing, I'm going to be able to send Timothy to you. Why Timothy? Well, we know that Probably here, as we look at Timothy, here is a young man who was a very young man. Obviously, has probably, you know, in that age where he's, he's just, just growing. He's in that teenage years, more than likely. And what we do know in the, by the scriptures that Paul probably met Timothy on his very first missionary journey into that area. We see in Acts 14 where he went into that first journey there, missionary journey. And perhaps while Timothy was that youth age, and when Timothy gave his life in his youth age to Jesus Christ, to be a follower of Jesus, how did that happen in this young man's life? Well, we know by Scripture that he had a grandmother and a mother who loved Jesus 
We see that in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, who prayed for their young man, Timothy, the mother and the grandma, prayed for Timothy that he would know who Jesus was, and he gets converted, he gets saved, growing up in that not perfect household because the father's not mentioned. The father was a Gentile more than likely here. He is a Jewish mother and a Jewish grandmother, but a Gentile father. But here we see that Paul comes into the town and there he meets this young man. And Paul, we see in 2 Timothy 1, 2, always, always kind of looked at Timothy and says, he's like a son to me, a spiritual son. Oh, how blessing it is over the years of being in the ministry, how God has blessed us with spiritual sons over the years in California, in New Jersey, and now here. He's brought spiritual sons into my life. Even though Kathleen and I never had sons, we had two daughters, but had many spiritual sons. And what a blessing it has been to watch them grow and mature in the faith and to trust God and to obey God and to love God. And now they're married and have children. It's amazing what God has done. And so I can relate and understand Paul's just meeting this young man, Timothy. He's in his youth, and God has probably put this young man on his heart and said, I'm going to just invest. Now, we know Paul leaves. He goes on in the mission, jury, uh, mission journeys. But we see in Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 4, Paul returns to Derby and Lystra on his second journey. And at that point in time, young Timothy has grown up, and now Paul says, now, Timothy, I want you to be a, a person who comes alongside me, and I'm going to train you up into the ministry. And he does. He takes him, and he says, you're going to be a fellow laborer with me to go out and share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ along the countryside. Now, we also know in Acts chapter 13 and 15 that Paul had another guy around, along his right-hand side, his right-hand man, named John Mark. And in that missionary church, a journey, something didn't go well, and John Mark abandoned that, abandoned Paul on the missionary field, and from there, that didn't go well, because he wasn't faithful, he didn't stick, stick with it, he had to go, he decided to go back, but we notice now Timothy is now replacing John Mark, and now becomes that right-hand man for Paul, going out and doing the work of God. Paul's taking him along like a father with a son, Son, stick with me, watch my life, listen to me, follow my example, because I'm following Christ, and I want you to follow Christ. That is parenting 101, my brothers and sisters. If you're following Christ, bring your son, bring your daughter along your side, and let them see the fact that you're following Christ, that they, they too can follow Christ. Until they're old enough, as we will see, because ultimately... We see God use Timothy, even after Paul dies. God continues to work in and through Paul's, uh, through Timothy's life. Why? Because Timothy's life and his relationship with Jesus was not just based on his mother and grandmother. Are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, my mom and grandma is a, a Christian. That doesn't make you a Christian. Oh, my daddy's a Christian. That doesn't make you a Christian. Young man, you need to make a decision for yourself if you want to follow Christ or not. You have, God has given you great examples in your mom and grandma and your, maybe your dad, but regardless if they do, God still asks you, will you follow me? Will you commit your life to me? Regardless of anyone else going on around your life, if they're walking with Christ or not walking with Christ. God still asks you, will you follow? And we all have to make that personal commitment, that personal step of faith in placing our life by faith in Jesus Christ alone and what he's done. And when you see this happen, you see this beautiful thing. He doesn't say here, but I trust in the Lord Jesus because it's some Christianese kind of talk that you do. Many people get into Christianese and they throw all these Christianese conversations around, but do they live it? Do they really believe it? Or is it just the right thing to do when you're around Christians? But see, we don't want to be saying things just because it's the right thing to say. We want to do it because it's who we are. It's, it's like breathing. It's who we are. 
You don't have to say Christianese words to convince someone you're a Christian. Just in your character, that the, what the words that come out of your mouth, the actions and what you do or don't do, speaks highly of who you, your relationship, if you have a relationship with Christ or not. Amen? It's not, it's not difficult. It's only difficult if you fight the Holy Spirit in doing a work in you. That's where the, that's the challenge for you. But he says here, and he says, not only, he says in the scriptures here that he says, I want to send Timothy to encourage, uh, to find out, be encouraged in what your state is. Because Paul can't do it. He's chained up to Roman guards. He's not going anywhere until they find out if they're going to behead him or release him. So he says, I can send Timothy because I trust Timothy. And Timothy will go in and I'll get, I'll get boots on the ground. I will, get, I will get someone I trust to tell me exactly what's going on in the Philippian church. I'm going to send the most trustworthy right-hand guy and put boots on the ground, face value. He can do an assessment of what's going on in the church. And then when he comes back, he'll encourage me exactly what's going on in that church. That's why he's sending Timothy. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. So he's not looking, sitting there going, you know, who can I, who can I afford in the ministry here to kind of send him? He's not doing anything. He's, he's hanging around. Who else is, has time on his hands? I'll send the guy who's doing nothing to travel 800 miles to Philippi to kind of scope it out, scout it out, and then bring me back the word of what's going on and take this letter. No, he sends his right-hand man, the one who's like-minded, because he knows that he has this sincerity or for the care for the state of the believers in Philippi. Paul sent Timothy because he was the best man to go. Why? Because Timothy loved to serve others. He loved the people in Philippi, and he, God, Paul wanted to send the one who was going to go and love them and serve them and give his life for them in service. That's the, that's the servant character. You don't send someone to go do a, a work that ha, could care less about the people. Who could care, give or take? I'm only going because it's it's in the south. It's warm. It's a winter time. Of course I'll volunteer and go. You get all kinds of volunteers. But he's saying, you're traveling 800. You're going 800 miles. You're going across sea. You may not make it. You may, it's dangerous. Who do I send? My best man. Why? Because he's like-minded. It's, it's, it's someone who's who, if you look at the literal wording here, uh, it means no one of equal soul. Timothy has come so close to Paul that he's, they're, they're soulmates. And in fact, that they're able to communicate and have the same passion to serve Christ and to serve others. That's what we want in the ministry. That's what we want in the church. And people who are like-minded, I want to serve Jesus, and I just want to serve others. And it's not about me. Remember, early on in chapter 1, people were self-seeking. They were self-serving. They were looking to see what benefits them. Now, amazing. Paul had all kinds of people surrounding him in the ministry. There was many, many men following him. But only one who was like-minded. Only one that was not seeking for self-gain in the ministry, but actually was willing to die of self and serve others. A passion of like-mindedness, like a soul that Paul had. Why? Because Paul's soul was in line with what? His love and character of Christ's likeness of his Savior. That's what we want. And so we see a look at this. Paul is, of course, going to send what he sees in Paul's life. Paul, Timothy genuinely had an interest in the affairs of the church in Philippi. If someone wants to go on a missionary trip, you don't send someone to, oh, we have a missionary trip coming up, and I'm, I'm making an announcement here today, and it's going to be in Italy. I think everyone in their minds like, Italy? I like Italy. Have you? 
have you ever have you been praying about Israel? No, I don't even think about Italy until you just until you just mentioned it. Ah, uh, so more like you're not you don't have a passion for the people. I've got a missionary trip to the outer islands of Hawaii. Hello, I know that's it. Uh, that's me. Why? Why do you think you're going to go? Because I've been praying for the palms and the sands and the warm weather and winter's coming. You're not called to go there. Why? Because you really haven't been praying for the people of Hawaii. See, it's about the people. God is in the, in the, in, in, in the business of reaching people, serving people, not to serve your flesh, not to, for your benefit. It is to, it's for him, for others. And he just wants to use you as the vehicle to do that if he's already put in your heart for the people. People always ask, why did you come to the North Country? For the snow, of course. No, I assure you in California, we weren't thinking snow. Because God put on a heart for the people. The, the, the environment, the, the housing, the, the, the weather, that, that didn't, didn't even come into a factor. It was about the people. And he wanted to reach the lost because God said it on my heart, God loves those people in the North Country just as much as he does in California, Hawaii, Texas, and everywhere else God has sent us. And that is why we came, because God sent us for the people. And we've been blessed. For eight years, we've been blessed serving the people. And that's what Paul is saying here. I'm going to send Timothy to you in Philippi. Why? Because he has a genuine interest for you. He has a proven character. We see that he's a proven character because he's like a son. He's been sitting right by my side as a father to him. He's been serving with me. He thinks like me. We feel the same way because we have a passion for Christ and passion for the people. Timothy is like the son. He's going to go do a good work for you there. And so Paul is commending uh, Timothy. That Timothy seeks after what Jesus wants, not what he own interest wants. We see that Timothy's worth was found in the commitment to Paul. And Paul, remember, had no sons. But Timothy took care of Paul as though Timothy were a natural son of Paul. And think about this. When you bring a son in, when you have a son or a daughter in your family, and there are, you have others who come into your family, they're in that inner circle of your family. They know the most. They also reap the, not only the benefits, but also the challenges that come with that inner circle of being with that family. And so anytime when we had a young man who lived with us and we had some live with us for two years and two and a half or a year and a half, whatever they were for a long time, I always warn them, I'm going to, we're going to treat you just like a son. And that means you're, you're going to experience everything that happens in the Wells family. You'll benefit from the family, but you also have to go through the struggles of the family. And when you do, you must be submissive to the family because it's going to be hard. So Timothy, knowing very well what God has done in Paul's life, it wasn't Rosie's ministry. He understood they came after him and tried to kill him and tried to beat him and all kinds of stuff. So Timothy understood what it meant to be in the inner circle with Paul, that he might die being in the ministry with him, that he might get beaten. He may be absolutely has no place to live and maybe go days without food and may be in prison. But look at the character of Timothy. None of that matters. All that matters is God had brought him into the life with Paul to serve by his side to do what God asked him to do. That is what we're looking for. That is what we want to see. Not only us personally to grow in that servant character, but we pray for our children that they too, regardless of the age, they too will grow up with a servant character heart. A like-minded heart or like-mindedness of Christ that they're just willing to do, trust and obey what God has shown them. 
verse 23, therefore I hope to send him at once as soon as I see how it goes with me, but I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. So we see here that Paul is saying, I'm going to, I hope to send him you know, really soon here, but I'm, I'm, Lord willing, I'm going to send him, but I'm trying to figure out what's going to happen to me. I'm hoping they're going to tell me if they're going to take my head off, well, I'm going to be with the Lord, or if they free me, I'm going to be able to go with Timothy and come to Philippi and actually be able to do it with him. What, what great to be able to go on a road trip with your son. There's nothing greater than to be able to do that. But he says, I'm going to like to send him shortly. But see, in the scriptures, there's no specific statement about Paul's release here in, the, in, the, in jail at this point in time. All we know is based on the scripture that he wrote another letter 2 Timothy, while back in Rome in prison a second time. So obviously, he got released. <laughs> we don't know how in the circumstances. Was he able to get released right about that time and go with them? I don't know. Or I don't think so. But all we know is that there's no record of Paul's visiting Philippi. But he could have. He could have gone when he got released there and, and was able, like he hoped for, Lord willing, he was able to go shortly after he got released to Philippi to see them. But Paul wanted to go to Philippi. But regardless if he did or not, he was going to send his trusted protege, Timothy, in his place. So again, Timothy was not only Paul's son, the spiritual son, but he also was there to serve Paul, to be alongside Paul, to help him in the ministry. He was a Paul's servant there to help him. But also he became Paul's substitute. Because we know in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, that the, probably the greatest reward for Timothy is that, yes, he was raised by a godly mother and a grandmother who was great examples and shared in the, the truths of God to this young man, Timothy, in his formable years of youth. And then God brought him under the wing of Paul, and, and, and Paul poured into his, this young man's life. But never did Timothy ever think while he was in his youth that he would be the one that would replace or take over the ministry of Paul the Apostle. But that's exactly what happened. As God takes Paul out and calls him home, we see that God used Timothy to continue to help, support, and encourage those in that, those churches that were planted during those period of time of years with Paul. Something this young Timothy would never have dreamed of when he was just busy serving Christ, that he would be raised up by God to be able to do the work of the ministry. Amazing. Amazing. So I always remember, when you think about what God's doing in the life of a young man or a young woman, that a servant character is not the product of, of a few hours sermon. You, 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 you come, okay, I want to give my life to Christ because I know I'm a wicked man. I know I'm a sinful man. I know I need to be saved. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. I'm going to commit my life to Christ. He said he would forgive me if I asked for forgiveness. I asked for forgiveness. Okay, I need a few training classes, and somehow I'm going to have a special character some servant character, and I'm just going to serve God boldly. No, it's not a few-hour sermon. It's not a few-week sermon. It's not a few-month sermon. It is a lifetime of development, and as you just serve, God then will add to your life of what he wants you to do, and he expands your influence in the, in this, as a servant character in the lives of many people. But as a parent, let's start with just you and your family. And as you're growing and maturing, you're going to be able to be used within the body of Christ, the, the little church that you're part of. And then if God wants and his desire, Lord willing, as Paul says, I, but I trusted the Lord, Lord willing, I, I, he'll take you to something even possibly big, bigger, a missionary trip. But let God do that work. Are you willing vessels? Will you trust and obey? Verse 25, yet I consider it necessary to send you to Epaphroditus, um, 
my brother, my, my fellow worker, a fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. See, Epaphroditus was this, again, we don't know a lot about this young man or, or maybe an older man. But Paul, you know, understood who Timothy was. He was part Jew. He was part Gentile. But Epaphroditus, he was full Gentile as far as we know. He didn't have any Jewish influence whatsoever. But he was a member of the Philippian church who risked the health, who risked his health and life to carry his missionary purpose or mission to bring this offering this letter to Paul in Rome while he's in prison. And here's a young man, he's, he's called by the church to say, Epaphroditus, you're the man that we're going to send for you to go serve alongside Paul and give him this offering to help him in the ministry. And here's a, a man, he probably could have been an older man because he, we see in the scriptures, he's like a priest-like servant to Paul. So he, more likely he was an older gentleman. He was someone who was, who's matured. He, we don't know if he was a pastor, an elder, or what, or what his position, but he obviously came in a spiritual sense of supporting Paul, coming alongside him because Paul was limited being in, in Rome, being in the jail. So he was going in there and helping in the community there in Rome and sharing the gospel and doing whatever it takes that is as Paul directed him. And Epaphroditus here was here's a man that was had a, a, a servant character because the church chose him to be the one to go out there. But notice there how important Paul says in his letter of who this Epaphroditus really is. He says he gives him three characteristics. He's my brother. He's my fellow worker. He's my fellow soldier. Yes, he's your messenger who sent the message, who sent the, the finances to support me, but and who came out to minister to my needs. But to me, he had a balanced Christian life. How do we know that? Well, we see the characteristic here, the servant characteristic. He says, my brother means he speaks of a special relationship that he had with Paul. He was someone who he fellowshiped, he shared his heart with one another about what God was doing or not doing or what was the challenges and his feelings and things are going on. That's true fellowship. Now, don't get me wrong, my brothers and sisters. If you get together and you want to talk football, fine. You can talk football. You can talk fishing. You can talk whatever that God would be honored by it. But let me assure you, those conversations about football and fishing and whatever is going to leave you empty because it's only for a moment. But when you fellowship and you talk about the things of God and what God is doing in and through your life, it's long-lasting. It's forever lasting because it will be used to bring about that servant character in your heart and the person you're fellowshipping with. Fellowship is so important. It matches what Paul said in Philippians 1.5, the fellowship of, in the gospel. Not fellowship in a job, not the fellowship in a football or sports. or Those are fun things to talk about and, and, and have fun with. But what he's talking about, he's a brother in the fellowship in the gospel. The things we talk about is Jesus. And we talk about what God's doing in and through my life and in the community. The second thing that Epaphroditus has, a character that Paul brings to light, he's a fellow worker. And he speaks of, of a job that needs to be done. He speaks to the Philippians 1.12 in the letter there, in the beginning of the letter, where he says the furtherance of the gospel. Yes, we get together in fellowship, but we have a job to do. We got things to do that God's called us to do. We got to go do it because God's called us to do it. This is, a, this is a furtherance of the gospel. We need to share the gospel. We need to follow up and encourage and water the seeds that we're planting. We need to go and watch God harvest the people and bring people to come to Christ. This is good work. And Epaphroditus did that work. But look at the third character of giving a Christian balanced Christian life. We see it here as a fellow soldier. It speaks of the battle to be fought in the spiritual warfare and the battle that we fight. Why? Because we don't fight against flesh and blood. We don't have enemies. We're not to have enemies. We're to love those who you've referred to as enemies. 
Now, they may want to be your enemy. <laughs> they may want to come against you because darkness does not like light. Anyone who lives a dark life will absolutely hate and want to propel anyone who shows light. That's why people, you know, I don't, you know, I don't do current events in this place, but I, it's just coming to my mind, so I'm going to share it. I think it's of the Lord. But Lord, if it's you, let it be you. I can't even think of the football player's name right now. But it's a football player who just came out here recently, and he, he did a, just a little kind of a, a snippet for uh, focus on the family. And he gets that focus on the family, and he shares the fact that he loves, wants to trust God with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love others. And the absolute ravage coming out of the, the darkness, as, as we see in the scripture here last week, right? Uh, uh, let me see. Corey, come on. I can find it here. No, I'm not going to find it. Oh, right there in verse 15 of chapter 2. The crooked and perverse generation <laughs> just sprang after this man, and he was like, he didn't understand what he was about to do by just sharing who he was and that he loved Jesus and he trusted him with all of his heart and soul and strength and love others. The perverted and the crooked generation just came after him as a representative of the football team. He was like, he's like a deer in the headlights. Why? Because he didn't understand the scripture, did he? Because anyone who declares in Jesus' name of what they stand for is going to face opposition. They, the scripture said they will hate you. So we shouldn't be surprised when you talk about Jesus. Now, if you talk about God, people kind of can tolerate you. Unless they're really hard-hearted. Then they can't tolerate the word God. You can't, you can't even wear a, a cross in front of them. They just repel. But if they're kind of quasi, I can tolerate you kind of a person, they'll be fine if you just wear a cross and save God. But don't mention the name Jesus. <laughs> the darkness comes out. Why? Because you just shared light. But the, again, we prayed for these people. We loved them. Why would you love Christ? We love others. We want them to be saved. They, they've just they've been caught up into the flesh and the world, and they're blinded, and we want to love them and understand that Jesus died for them as well. Amen? They just don't know it. We just have to get the good news out for them to know there's a way, a truth, and a life in Jesus because they're, they're just spiraling out of control and they wonder why they're unhappy there's no joy and they're just hollowing after it and it's sad to me because we have the good news he, he saved us remember how uh, hollow and empty and dark we lived before Christ remember how wicked we were but by the grace of God he saved us we have a good news to give out and share with others but here we see Epaphroditus was a balanced Christian. He loved fellowship. He didn't show up to church. He didn't sit down and have coffee time with a brother or, or he, the two sisters. Get, no, he, he didn't just have fellowship. As beautiful and wonderful that is. But that will leave you ineffective. It will not allow you to grow and develop the servant character if you just fellowship. If you just show up on a Sunday, you're not going to grow to the extent of the servant character that God wants to do in your life. Eventually, if you keep showing up, regardless of how you feel, you will. Why? Because eventually you will then realize you have a desire that God puts in your heart to then go out and furtherance of the gospel. Speak of a job that God says, I want you to serve in this capacity for me. And now you're going to be a fellow worker with the brother that you see, in, or the brother, the fellow sister that you see every day. You're going to want to serve alongside and go serve and do things for God. But even then, that's not a balanced Christian. The balance fully comes when you have the three legs. You have fellowship. You're serving alongside that person but you also are in the battle, the fellow soldier willing to be in the spiritual battle with your brother. 
when you're willing to take on the burden of another person when they come alongside and say, I am desperately hurting here, and I know no one knows it, but I need to share it, and I need help. And that brother does not say, well, go pray ten times and go to church five times and read your Bible. No, I will pray for you and with you, and we, I will pick up my sword with you, and I've got my shield of faith, and brother, let's go swinging. Let's get those demonic forces back. Now, how do we do that? By prayer. There's power in prayer. Why do you think Timothy's mom and grandma was so effective in raising young Timothy up to be a godly man? By prayer. And what is the hardest thing for you and I to do as a Christian? Is, is prayer. I can sit there, and again, there's no condemnation here. I'm just, I'm just being real, right? I can sit there and tell men, I've got steaks, baked potato, corn. I got the works flat out catered by Walt Barbecue. And the men will flood the place. Why? Because they're coming to have fellowship with Walt's Barbecue. It's catered. D's Mac. Mac and cheese. I'm telling you, people will, men will flood. I love it. But the challenge for men is, will you come and without no food and just come and pray? And men will cave because it goes against the nature. Feeding the flesh, <laughs> it goes so quickly for the nature. But praying men, I understand this, it is the hardest thing for you But guess what? What's the most important thing we can do? As we will see, let us be a fellow soldier and come alongside and pray and be in the battle for one another. Sisters, I'm telling you, I know you guys got that dialed in. And I know that it can be a struggle for you to pray. But you have such a desire to be in fellowship with one another, to be in the word together, to be working alongside each other, enhance the desire to pray for one another, sisters. Because prayer is the battlefield. And he says, verse 26, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick, for indeed he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Epaphroditus, here he is being sent out by the Philippian church to go to Rome, travel a great distance with the, the, the supporting money and to come alongside to serve with him and serve him, to be able to help him. And here he is, he comes there and he gets sick. I don't know if he got sick on the way. Maybe it was that boat ride, got on the boat. Like get on a plane, you're like, oh God, please protect me. I'm having a, I'm going across country. Please don't let me get sick with all this recycled air on the plane. You know, we always have these prayers. But on the boat, he said, here we is. He somehow he gets sick, and when he gets to Paul. He is sick. It's so sick he is on his deathbed. That's like a missionary trip. I used this early on in the first service. Dear Maggie, who just was over in Israel for five weeks for a long on a missionary trip by herself, no family, no church family with her, and she goes to Israel. Now imagine, here we are, we're praying for Maggie, we're, we, we help her, God puts in her heart to give to her, to help her to go, to go do this missionary trip, and there she goes. The church has sent her off to go help in Israel to those in need. And all of a sudden, we get word through teen missions or through the thing that she becomes extremely sick. Extremely sick to the point they believe she's going to die. How would that make you and I feel? Hello? Terrible. 
very sorrowful. Think about those who they've entrusted in her, her being entrusted, those of team missions, those who are, who, are, who are leading that. How do you think the leaders would be feeling? Now imagine Maggie over there on her deathbed. What do you think she's thinking? Lord, I'm going to die in Israel. I'm going to die in Jerusalem. I can't wait to go home. That 14-year-old girl is sitting there saying what? I'd rather be home with my parents and with my church family because I'm going to die. I'd rather be with family that I know. Right? Do you, can you now see why Epaphroditus is sitting there? I know my church back home knows that I got sick. So sick that I'm about to die. I desire. I'm not homesick. I desire for their sake, if I'm going to die, to be in their presence because how terrible it is to have a loved one die so far away from you and you weren't there by their side. Amen? So you can understand the, the emotions and the feelings and the struggles here that Epaphroditus is going through and also Paul because Paul knows this Epaphroditus came out, this brother in the Lord who is just a beautiful, loving brother who is a balanced Christian came out to serve alongside Paul, to, to help him in his need because he's chained up in a prison. He came out to see to clean him because remember in the prisons there, you, it's not like a prison here. You go to prison here, you can get meals every day. You get clothes clean for you. You get, can get an education. You everything taxpayers pay everything to, to, for them to take care of someone who had a crime they didn't shouldn't have they shouldn't have done in the first place. See in Rome that didn't happen. You didn't have a jail. You were under arrest. Call it house arrest or in prison. You were chained up with Roman guards who could take your life in a minute. But the only way you survived is if your friends or families or good Samaritans came in and brought you food, came in and took your clothes, gave you clean clothes and cleaned the clothes and took care of you. If no one came to your side, you would have died. So you now you see Epaphroditus, you can see Timothy, you can see all these people coming in and keeping Paul going while we're waiting to see, A, because you don't have long-term prisons in Rome in those days. They just took your head off, or they released you. There wasn't that much of a choice, <laughs> or they, or they, you know, they, they didn't hold you for life sentences. Your life ended very quickly. So here we are. Paul is like, I know you came out to serve and, and support me, and I am sorrowing. I'm grieving the fact that you came out here and you're experiencing a sickness that's almost about to have you die. And that troubled him greatly. And that's why he says he's, he's longed to go back. Yes, he's been sick. He's trying to tell him he, he had a mission. He came out. He fulfilled that mission even to death. He was such a servant. He was willing to sacrifice even to death to fill that mission, to deliver the money, to deliver the, the, the gift, to deliver, the, to, to serve alongside. And that's why he said in verse 28, Therefore, I sent him the more eagerly that when you see him again, you may rejoice and I may be less sorrowful. I'm sitting here watching Epaphroditus dwindling here and is sorrowful. And I know he desires to be home with family if he's going to die. And he's strong enough. I'm going to send him back. And, he, and I believe he, sent, he, he took the letter and gave it to Epaphroditus to send back, but also to Timothy to go back and, and to scout out what's going on in that church. But notice here, Paul's desire is not, to, oh, well, Epaphroditus, get your act together, get better, because I got things for you to do for me. No. No, no, you better go home. You better go back. Go, leave the mission field, go back. It's best for them. It's best for you. It's even best for me, because you're not able to be able to I can't help you because I'm chained to a Roman guard. I can't even care for you and help you uh, because I'm limited as well. Now, we know Paul. Paul, we see in the scripture, laid hands and, and people were saved, healed. I mean, he was doing miraculous things. He was healing people. He was, people were incredible things God, God was doing through him. But nowhere in the scripture did we see that Paul laid hands on Epaphroditus or did anything. But it doesn't matter how God by his grace and his mercy, 
killed Epaphroditus so he would live and go back home. But Paul knew that he needed to send him back. Even as a, and he wanted to make sure the people in the church in Philippi knew that this man was a man of honor. He did exactly what they sent him out to do. And then the last two verses here, verse 29 and 30 says, Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such a man in esteem because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. So here we say at, see at the very end of this verse is that these two men, lift them up high. You don't worship these two men, but esteem them because it recognize that God has created such a servant character, such godly men who are willing to even die in the service for their Lord. That he sent them out to fulfill the mission you sent them, Epaphroditus out to do. Timothy, same thing. He's out. They're betrusted men. They're faithful men. These are men who are faithful. It's not what they say and then don't do. They, yes is their yes, their no is their no. They say they're going to show up, they're going to serve, and they actually do it. That is the character of a godly man, and that's what we want in all of our lives. And he says, esteem them. Honor the fact that God is doing a work in their life, and they were faithful to do that work. And, and will we allow the Holy Spirit Will you allow the Holy Spirit today to also reproduce that servant character, the, the, the mind of Christ in you? Will you let him do that work? I know it's a, it's, a, it's a mental battle. I know it's a spiritual battle. I know it's an emotional battle. But it's a battle that God wants to do in and through and for you. But you have your part. <laughs> you must die of self and live and follow him and trust him with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Trust and obey.